The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Hello, my favorite people in the whole world, the people who listen to Main Street Vegan Radio. I'm hoping that this is finding you well and happy wherever across the globe you might be today. We really are having a party this time. It always says, let's get this party started. And sometimes I'm just sitting here by myself thinking, well, I guess a party is in the mind of the beholder. But today it really is. I have a co-host, the lovely Lisa Snow, who is a certified personal trainer. You can find out more about Lisa at EFTPersonalTraining.com. How are you, Lisa? Good. (laughs) You're looking good. You're looking excited because I know that you wanted to get in on this conversation with John Pierre, author of The Pillars of Health. John will be joining us after the first break. But right now, in our first 10 minutes, when we usually just kind of talk and chew the, well, not fat, what would vegans chew? Fiber or the trail mix. Yeah, we'll just chew the trail mix. But this time we actually have... Uh, an extra special guest, and we're going to be bringing on right now Cheryl Miller. She's a Maine-based artist and vegan who has painted an annual portrait of one or more turkeys every year for quite some time to celebrate Thanksgiving. And this year, she has something so extraordinary and so big. It's called the 46 Million Turkeys Project. Welcome, Cheryl. Thank you, Victoria, and thank you for having me. Oh, well, we're so excited. Lisa was just on your website a few minutes ago, and she was getting all excited. You, I think you have more of an artistic sense maybe than me, Lisa. <laughs> I don't know about that, but the website was really beautiful. Yeah, and, and I love that you have actually numbered the turkeys and you want to draw attention to what's going on with them. So tell us about your project. Well, the project initially started in 1998 when I met my first living turkey, and that's when I started uh, my annual portraits because I wanted to show them as individuals. And for years I was contemplating how to show the exact number of birds that were actually killed for just a single holiday. And when I started to do the math, I realized there was no way I could do 46 million portraits. And so this year I'm asking people to help me to create 46 million mini portraits for every bird that will be killed for this Thanksgiving. And you don't have to be an artist to participate. So what do we do? 
Well, you can go to the website because I have a page that has ideas, and you can do something as simple as buying a pre-made turkey stamp and just stamping turkeys, and that counts. And what you have to do is create your turkeys, fill out the submission form, which is also on the website, and then mail them to the Harlow Gallery here in Maine, which we will be having a show of the, the exhibit during the week of Thanksgiving. And everyone's submissions will be included. So this is going to be an actual brick-and-mortar art gallery showing honoring the turkeys. Yes, it is. I'm very excited about it. That is so amazing. And the website is? 46millionturkeys.com. It's one word. Okay, and that's four six numerals? Yes, the number 46millionturkeys.com. Okay, And you used to work or volunteer at a sanctuary, is that right? I actually worked at Farm Sanctuary in Watkins Glen, and that's when I met the first living turkey of my life, and I was so smitten with them. They're so wonderful. They're just like cats to me. They're very sweet, and they love to be petted. And I just wanted to to share that with people. Because I think people don't think of farm animals and specifically like turkeys and chickens as having personalities, being individuals. They view them as part of a flock, and they really are individuals. Well, this is really an idea whose time has come. You know about the movie that's opening November 1st, Free Birds? (laughs) I considered that the universe aligning with my project. I was so excited. That's pretty wonderful. Woody Harrelson and Owen Wilson, an animated movie about getting turkeys off the Thanksgiving dinner table. Yeah. Wow. Also on our website, we put, I put um, positive things that people have done about turkeys, either stories or short films or books or coloring books, it, you know, to create a different image of what a turkey is and a different way of looking at Thanksgiving. So there's also ideas for that if anyone's a teacher. When I first became vegetarian, I remember thinking about Thanksgiving, which had always been one of my favorite holidays, as just this awful holocaust. It was like Memorial Day, but one that didn't need to happen. Just think how it would change this country if we would change the food that people ate for that one meal. And actually, I have received a couple of emails from um, vegans and vegetarians saying they're so grateful to have something to participate in that honors where they are. Um, And so that's been kind of nice, too. It would be really nice if this could be a new tradition. (laughs) I would love that. Well, you're starting it, and things like this catch on. I think it's it's just wonderful what you're doing up there in Maine. Is there much vegan activity going on in your area? You know, we have we do have two um, animal rights groups up here, and we do have um, uh, vegan eatouts and things like that. So there is, you know, Maine. People often think of Maine as being um, a hunting state, and and that's true. But there also is a place for the vegans and the an- people who love animals up here as well. And I think this part, the fact that this gallery is willing to do this project and show the, showcase this is pretty, you know, pretty exciting. Wow. And aside from the really beautifully designed website that you have, what else are you doing to get the word out about the art show? The, just by having, see, the, the other reason that I, I like this particular project and asking people to participate, if I just did a show of just my portraits, it would reach a few people, but by asking other people to participate, the project expands because they're talking to each other and they're telling each other about it. And I've actually had some vegetarian groups around the country who are having, or vegan groups as well, who are having Thanksgiving, pre-Thanksgiving events, and they all will be participating by asking members at their dinner or their event to create turkeys and submit to the project. Oh, that's so wonderful, Cheryl. (laughs) Thank you so much for taking your time to be with us today. And everybody listening, go to 46millionturkeys.com and then help get the word out. Put it on Twitter, put it on Facebook, tell everybody you know, and get out your pens and your paints and your stamp pad inkers and uh, start making some turkeys. Thank you so much, Cheryl. Thank you so much. 
You're so welcome. Stay with us through the break and we'll bring on John Pierre, trainer to the stars, but oh my gosh, so much more than that. We'll be back. Unity Online Radio is affiliated with Unity, a nonprofit organization specializing in prayer, publishing, and spiritual education. If you enjoy our programming and would like to support this ministry, go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now to make a contribution. You can make a one-time or recurring monthly donation. Thank you. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com. Amazon.com or your favorite bookseller. You've seen reality TV. Well, now get ready for reality radio. It's raw, unpredictable, and completely unscripted. Healing Your Life with Dr. Chris Michaels follows the lives of four people each season as they face their fears and overcome challenges. Listen in weekly and follow along as they take each faithful step on their journey. Learn what it takes to really heal your life. Dr. Chris Michaels shows you how to expect specific and measurable results from prayer. He says we must place a demand upon consciousness. We don't hope to get what we pray for. We expect it. As a 25-year veteran in the New Thought Movement, Dr. Chris has helped thousands of people find their way to success and healing. His faith is unshakable, and his commitment to helping others heal through the power of prayer is extraordinary. Don't miss Reality Radio, Healing Your Life with Dr. Chris Michaels, live Mondays at 11 a.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio. listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Main Street Vegan. Such a pleasure to be with you today and to be introducing someone that I just adore. So I'm here with my co-host, Lisa Snow, whom I also just adore. Lisa is a certified personal trainer. She is EFTPersonalTraining.com if you are in the New York City or Westchester, New York area. And our guest is John Pierre. Now, John is also a nutrition and fitness consultant. He's devoted over 25 years to improving the lives of others through his expertise in in nutrition, fitness, women's empowerment, green living, cognitive enhancement. But there is so much more to John than that. John may be, I hope I don't embarrass him by saying this, one of the most egoless people that I know. He is on this planet to make the world better for animals of the human and non-human varieties. And he has been devoted to this literally since he was a kid. And I can say this because when I met John Pierre, it was 1984. My daughter was crawling around on a floor at a (laughs) a vegetarian potluck in New York City. And there was this young man 
who just sparkled and shined. He had this this fire under him to make a difference in this world. And lo and behold, he has done that. You can find out more about John at his website, johnpierre.com, and also through his new gorgeous book, The Pillars of Health, Your Foundations for Lifelong Wellness. Welcome, John. JP. Hi, Victoria. Hi. Thanks for having me. Well, it is an absolute pleasure. Say hi, Lisa. Hi. Good to talk to you today. Great to be here. Lisa always likes to come on whenever we're doing the fitness people, since that's her her industry as well. So, John, just uh, fill us in. What are you doing these days? I know you just moved from L.A. to Colorado. Yeah, well, I've been traveling the country for quite a while, and so now I'm actually um, working on opening a sanctuary in Colorado. So a uh, an animal sanctuary for farm animals and laboratory animals, but also a re- retreat center. And, you know, I've been working with abused women for 30 years, so actually I want to be able to incorporate being able to bring women who have had abuse issues onto the property and, you know, being trained there and also interact with animals. So since my book is done, I have more time uh, to focus on that now. That just seems like such a healing idea. I, I know just living with one companion animal, the kind of love that one little four-footed being can generate and to think of being at a sanctuary with so many of them, that just sounds pretty wonderful. Yeah, so I'm just working on getting funding right now and trying to get land and everything. So it's, it's a process. I mean, I'm still lecturing around the country still with my book and doing some of my other work, but uh, that's what I'm focusing on right now. Well, that just sounds like a wonderful next chapter. So speaking of chapters, let's talk about the pillars of health. One of the things that impressed me was how very much you talk about processed foods in this book. So tell us what's wrong with processed foods. Well, you know, when I became plant-based eater 30 years ago, there really wasn't processed foods. It was kind of a hippie diet, you know, just fruits and vegetables and whole grains and beans, peas, and lentils and potatoes and some bread. And people were eating pretty healthy. And then as time went on, the processed foods start moving into, obviously, the vegan community. And, you know, people start getting some issues. They start becoming more overweight. They get more high blood pressure. And they could actually even be more prone to dementia or even heart disease, even if they were vegan. They were eating a lot of trans fatty acids, and they were eating, you know, just saturated fat more in general. And so what I've been seeing in my office, whether they're vegan clients or not, is just the introduction of more and more processed foods has really been a big problem for them. And when you get processed foods into your life, they really hijack your taste buds. And it's kind of like if you're driving your, your car down the expressway at 70 miles an hour, when you turn to go on the side street and you should be doing only 20, you're doing 40 and you still seem like you're going too slow. And that's the problem with when you start adding sugar, salt, and fats and artificial flavors, they really hijack your taste buds and no normal healthy food taste good to you anymore. So you're continually lured into eating more and more processed foods, and those are the foods that really cause the not only psychological problems in our, in our community, but they also cause physical problems. And from an environmental standpoint, then we're purchasing and contributing to getting more packaged uh, products into our lifestyle. Do you think that that's one of the reasons for people who backslide and wind up eating animal products again after sometimes a long period of time? Yeah, it's definitely one of them because they get nutrient deficiencies. You know, if you look at the average American taking in 150 pounds of sugar per person per year, so that's more than I weigh. And the more sugar that you consume, the more vitamins you actually lose because not only does sugar not have nutrients, definitely no micronutrients and B vitamins and vitamin C and things like that, but it actually steals vitamins from your system. And the vitamins that it really steals the most of would be like B vitamins and chromium and magnesium. And, you know, the B vitamins are critical for normal brain functioning and your neurological system functioning. And if you look at most of the problems that children have today, they have to do with behavior and neurological problems. So it's definitely, you know, it's a big problem today, and nobody's really addressing it because there's so much money to be made in the processed food industry. It's such a huge industry. It's, you know, it's getting up there to be like the dairy industry, where they're spending billions and billions of dollars on advertisements for a product that costs them just a couple pennies. Actually, the toys or the prizes in these these cereals and things cost more than the cereal. 
Wow. And I've worked with a lot of older clients, and I know that you have too. And we all hear from childhood that dairy is so good for us. And uh, a lot of older people, and especially older women, get that message even more strongly. Oh, you need all this dairy for osteoporosis prevention. But you have a little different point of view on that, right? Oh, well, absolutely. I mean, if you look at cultures who haven't consumed dairy, if you look like at the original Hawaiians and you look at the Asian population in Africa, even if you look at the Eskimos, I mean, how did they survive so long without drinking milk? I mean, why, why would we be drinking the milk of a cow and not some other mammal? You know, it's just, it's, just, it's just marketing. And, you know, if you look at the Bantu women in Africa, they breastfeed on average of eight kids in a lifetime, which is a huge mineral strain, especially calcium. And yet they only consume about 400 milligrams of calcium a day, and they don't get osteoporosis. And yet when they migrate and they move to the United States and we follow them and they adapt our way of living, then osteoporosis comes knocking on their door. So, yeah, there's no reason to consume milk of another species, and you should consume the milk of your species, humans, when you're an infant. But once you're able to chew and eat foods, then it's time to get your vitamins and minerals and proteins and everything else from whole foods. Because think about it, no cow in nature drinks milk. You never see a full-grown cow drinking milk. It's only the infants that drink milk. And they're not drinking the milk after they're able to eat. So it's, it's a perversion of our society. And when you look at young girls today that are pre-developing at eight and nine, and you take a look at the rate at which these cows are being fed bovine growth hormones, and their udders are so distended that, that their teeth actually drag on the ground so they can produce thousands and thousands of pounds of milk more per year, you wonder why we get this precocious puberty where these young girls are pre-developing at eight, nine years of age, when traditionally it should be in 14 years of age. So it's definitely a big health concern and an environmental concern also because most of the contaminants are stored in that milk tissue of a cow. So when they're eating uh, contaminated or pesticide-laden food or things that have percolate, which is like rocket fuel on there, you're taking that in to your body and it's being stored into your tissue then. So what do you do, John, when you're working with somebody who really is scared? Let's say the person that Lisa mentioned, older woman concerned about osteoporosis, who has heard for 60 or 70 years that she has to have milk. You can tell people the facts. What do you do to get them to really open up and let those facts in? Well, I'll usually give them examples of people that I work with or that have written books that have you know, done remarkably well without any dairy products. And then I show them the research. I show them some videos. I give them some different you know, periodicals to look at, especially information from Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine which is really just a group of thousands of physicians that promote, you know, a dairy-free way of living. And then I just talk to them, especially logically, and I say, what is it you're consuming the milk for? And they usually say calcium. So then I just show them on the charts the amount of calcium and other minerals that are found in green leafy vegetables and nuts and seeds. And it starts making sense to them. And when I explain to them I haven't had dairy products in 30 years, and it starts making sense to them. But I think the thing is is that it's such a convincing strategy that the dairy industry has used that they actually have scared people quite a bit, and, and they have this calcium phobia. So, yeah, it's not very easy. That's why I, I put a whole chapter in there called Scary Dairy in my book, The Pillars of Health. Yeah, that's a great chapter. If you would like to join this conversation, give us a call, 888-558-6489. Now, John, for all the problems with dairy and processed foods, there are some really good foods out there. What are the magical warehouses? Well, the most important ones are plants because plants are the ones that have all the phytochemicals and the nutrients that we're missing. Most of us are getting enough macronutrients. We're getting enough protein. We're getting enough carbohydrates. We get enough fats, but we don't get the micronutrients. And it's the micronutrients that when we miss those in our lifestyle or our diet that contribute to premature aging and disease. And if you think about a plant that's sitting under the sun for 10, 12 hours a day, that plant would wither up and die if it didn't have these phytochemicals, these lutein or beta-carotenes, these different carotenoids that preserve its tissue from the ultraviolet rays. So when we consume plants, we're taking in all these antioxidants, and what they do is actually help protect our our tissue. That's cool. What's your favorite food? Well, I think in terms of the greens, I really do like kale quite a bit and collards I like, so anything that's dark green. And one of the things that I talk quite a bit in the book is how important it is to make two things every day. One would be a green smoothie, and the other would be a green blended soup because this way we can, we can basically 
crunch or jam in quite a bit of greens without really even feeling full because we've blended it all in our smoothie or into our soup. So that's kind of the way to sneak it in. But if I'm working with clients who are trying to lose a lot of weight, then I don't have them do as many blended drinks because I want them eating these whole vegetables so it takes them longer to consume them and they feel full faster. That's why my clients will typically lose 100 to 150 pounds in a year. And, then, and they always say, you know, John, we, we never, you never talk about dieting with us. You never talk about weight loss. Because it'll just happen naturally when you're eating a diet that's high in, in plant matter. And most of them consume minimal of two pounds of vegetables per day, and that's not counting fruit. Now, that's very interesting that you said that, because that was certainly my experience in, in becoming a vegan and losing weight that has not come back. But a lot of people out there, a, a lot of experts in, in this field say, don't promise weight loss because it's just very complex and not everybody loses weight when they become vegan. Some people gain weight. What would you say to that? Well, because that's the challenge with the definition of vegan. I mean, I meet people all the time that tell me they're vegan, they eat cheese, you know, twice a week or they eat fish once a week, or, you know, they just don't have a, a real good definition of it. So I, ch- I choose the term, you know, more plant-based, although I like the term vegan. It's just that it's been so diluted, nobody understands it anymore. And even if you are a vegan and you don't eat any animal products, but you're eating avocados and olives or olive oil and you're eating processed meats all day, those are things that can, you know, instigate weight gain with you. And donuts. I never thought vegan, I would see donut. a vegan donut. I mean, there there is even now this thing called a cronut. Do you know these, Lisa? It, it's a it's a donut croissant combination. I mean, it seems like a death wish, but I guess there is something that vegans want to be able to say. You know, whatever you can do out there in the conventional world, you can do it as a vegan, and. I guess you can, but probably not be in the kind of shape that Jean-Pierre and Lisa Snow are in. Well, I just think that's the problem with processed foods, that it's, it's leached its way into the vegan community, and no longer do we have the original hippie diet or the you know, foods that grow from the earth. And again, those foods, what they have done is they've taken a whole food and they've literally turned it into a drug. So now it's releasing, you know, in your brain this massive amount of these pleasure chemicals like dopamine, and you're feeling a high from them. And once you feel that high, you want more of it. So it becomes addicting. Nobody runs out at midnight to get a broccoli slaw sandwich. But people will run out at midnight to get their pizzas and their cookies and their cakes and things like that because those are addicting foods. So the vegan community is full of processed foods. And, you know, if you don't have an eating disorder and you don't have an addictive personality, I use processed foods with my clients, but most people have, you know, addictive personalities or eating disorders, so I prefer to have them stay away from it because once they taste a little bit of the vegan ice cream, then they want to eat the entire container. They don't have the ability to just take a spoon or two and enjoy it after dinner. So that's one of the challenges. It's a very addicting substance and it's very dangerous, and that's why we do see a lot of people who who don't thrive very well, and yet they call themselves vegans. Right. And with the when a new client calls you, do you do they always understand that they need the nutrition component of it or do you still get prospective clients calling you or emailing you just wanting the fitness and not um, seeing most, yet that yeah. they need nutrition? Most people know what I teach and they know that the nutrition and fitness is just that, that's just even a small portion of what I do. That's why my book has the components of enhancing cognitive functioning and love and compassion. So it even goes beyond fitness and nutrition. But, yeah, I don't just work with people on, from a dietary standpoint usually or from a fitness standpoint. It's a very, you know, holistic, you know, viewpoint. But if somebody is already a fitness freak and they're loving and compassionate and they work their brain all the time and they just want to fine-tune their diet, that's fine too. But I usually end up kind of fine-tuning everything. Yeah, and have you found that the behavior change is as important as the food? Well, that's why when people have a gastric bypass and they have that surgery, the challenge is now you you haven't done anything for what's in between their ears. You haven't changed their behavior at all. So now they've been medicating with food their whole life. Once they get the gastric bypass or the lap band, then all of a sudden when when they're tired, they eat. When they're happy, they eat. They medicate with food, so that's why those programs don't work you need to, to address the emotional component first and foremost. And that's why when clients come in, I need to know specifically why they're here. 
when people just tell me they want to lose weight and that's it, I need to understand what does weight loss mean to them. What's the reason? Because Hollywood is full of lots of beautiful, beautiful women that are extremely wealthy and extremely thin, but they live in the psychiatrist's office. So they're not happy. They're not balanced. So being thin doesn't solve your problems. Being beautiful doesn't solve your problems. And being fit doesn't solve your problems. But having an emotional balance is, is this beginning stage. Now, I know that you were living in, in L.A. for the most part for a few years, but you didn't love that lifestyle. What was it like well, and how did it affect you? Well, no, my goal was basically to get my message out to as many people as possible. So, you know, working with a lot of different celebrities and rock stars, that allows the message to get out there. But that's not really, you know, my goal is really to be working, you know, in a sanctuary and being able to do seminars around the clock. I actually don't necessarily like to spend so much time working with clients one-on-one as much as I do like like to teach seminars. So I'd rather be kind of out teaching seminars at my sanctuary and, and things like that. And and, you know, for some people, living a fast-paced life and, and all that works. But, you know, for me, I'm not really – I'm not a material person. So, you know, just collecting money and things like that doesn't really – that's not why I do what I do. I want to reach as many people as I can. Isn't he something? <laughs> you know, it, it's really interesting, John, that I think the people – who are not looking for accolades, they're not looking for everybody to think they're so cool, are the ones that the rest of us are sitting out here saying, wow, they're so cool. <laughs> well, I don't think there's anything wrong if somebody wants to be famous or wants to be wealthy. I, I don't have a, that's, that's fine for them. It's just not something I want. I'm more interested in, you know, just helping people find their true vision. And, and, and hopefully the way I look at it is I'm just a candle, and when I work with my clients or seminar participants, I'm just hoping to light their candle. And then I ask them at the end, you know, once you become, become healthier and more whole and balanced, please go light somebody else's candle because that's how we make a difference in the world. Everybody working together every day to, you know, to contribute to helping one another because we're really just all spokes on the wheel. You know, the doctor is no different than a nutritionist or a trainer or a psychologist. They're all the same. We're just there to help and make the world a better place. And and you are so doing it. And and speaking about the youth promoting aspects of this diet, you look the same as when I met you thirty years ago. This stuff really does work. So the book is the Pillars of Health: Your Foundations for Lifelong Wellness. The website is johnpierre.com. John, before we go to break, you've got a philosophy that's different from a lot of, of nutritional approaches, and you call it good, better, best. What's that? Well, with my clients, I just I don't want them to beat themselves up when they can't be so-called perfect. And I just always have them look at things as we have choices. We can have good, better, best. And I always ask them to go for the best they can in that situation. So sometimes in that situation that if you have a choice between having pizza or just an iceberg lettuce salad, well, that's fantastic to have the iceberg lettuce salad. You know, that's fine. In that situation, you made the best choice. So I just want my clients to always make the best choice that they can and not beat themselves if they didn't eat perfectly. Because normally I'd ask them not to have iceberg lettuce. I'd ask them to have a nice green salad with kale and bok choy and, and maybe steamed vegetables and everything like that. That would be ideal. But if that isn't where you're at at the party or wherever, the restaurant, you just do the best that you can. And then you just improve, you know, your next meal. Make sure you get even more greens in. So in, in, and that's one of my philosophies. The other philosophy is I try not to take away anything from my clients. In other words, if they choose to eat foods that I wouldn't recommend, I just ask them to eat the foods that I recommend first, and then you can include your fruits. Because once you start taking things from people, it's kind of like taking a, a toy away from a child. All they do is cry, and they want it more. So instead, if you say to a child, well, you can play with your toy, but I just need you to do this, this action first. And so that seems to help clients. They don't feel like I'm taking anything away from them, that I'm just adding more good into their life. And eventually, the more good that you surround yourself with, the less bad that you'll tolerate. Oh, it's true. And you're changing yourself at a cellular level with the different food. And I know you talk about different thoughts. We'll get into the various pillars after the break. It, it changes everything. If this touches you anywhere, it touches you everywhere. The Pillars of Health, John Pierre. You're listening to Main Street Vegan Radio on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world, and we'll be back. 
state of change, a period of transition? Perhaps you simply don't know which way to turn, or you want guidance on taking that next step in your personal or professional life. You can activate the power of yes with Reverend Beverly Melander. As a new thought minister and next step counselor, she knows how to listen to where you are and help you get to where you want to be. With 20 plus years of experience, she offers spiritual counseling and affirmative prayer next step counseling for your personal or professional life, as well as resume writing and editing. To learn more about Beverly's counseling services, visit beverlymelander.net. That's Beverly, M O L A N D E R.net. From mayhem to miracle, from disaster to divine, Lance to Revelations Radio finds the opportunities for spiritual growth in everyday moments. Drawing from current headlines to pop culture, Reverend Ogan blurs the lines between the sacred and the profane, bringing meaning to the meaningless, with guests who are dedicated to transforming the world for good. Join Ogan live every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central for Rants to Revelations Radio. Are you tired of life slamming the door in your face? Did you get another rejection letter, pink slip, foreclosure notice, or go on yet another bad date? Does it seem like the older you get, the more hopeless life seems? Are you ready to stop taking no as your final answer? Then join us for Design Your Life, a talk show by Kevin Cottrell Ross, the coach's coach, Go into the locker room for one full hour with the championship coach every week and start designing your winning playbook that will make the rest of your life the best of your life. That's Design Your Life with Kevin Cottrell Ross, the coach's coach, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for Main Street Vegan. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Main Street Vegan. I'm Victoria Moran. My co-host today is certified personal trainer Lisa Snow, and our very special guest is John Pierre, author of The Pillars of Health. His website is johnpierre.com. And when you go to the website, this is important, scroll down and you'll see the link to his Facebook page. And you've got to look at this article that he wrote. It's called The Sour Truth About Dairy. And talk about viral. It has over 45,000 likes and also some dislikes, some controversy from people who uh, are pro-dairy. So do take a look at The Sour Truth About Dairy there on, on Facebook. So, JP, how did you get involved with abuse survivors, and what kinds of work have you done with them? Well, 30 years ago, when basically I, I was a senior in high school, the two oral reports that I did in high school were women's rights and animal rights. Those were the two talks I gave. So I was basically getting my start basically then in high school, and I was volunteering uh, to work at the shelters, and what I would do is I would collect uh, food from actually different, they were actually health food companies, distributors, and they would donate all these foods that were about to expire, all health foods and cosmetics. And so I would go and I would collect those and I would drop them off at the shelters. And then I started programs to collect clothing um, from different high schools and things like that for the shelters. And then I just started doing lectures for them on health and fitness. And then I just started working with them individually. And then I actually started uh, boot camps for young girls. I started the boot camps for high, uh, basically it was like junior high, high school, and college girls to empower them, to get them stronger, not only physically, but mentally, you know, and emotionally. So it's just been an ongoing process, but it has been something I've been doing for 30 years. And were your boot camp participants survivors, some of them, or they were just local girls in the community? No, no. Some of them, of course, have, have been, you know, assaulted, as, as a good majority of women have have had some incidences occur in their life, and many times they don't talk about it. But, yes, um, a lot of them were, and a lot of them were my clients that, you know, personal clients that, that I had helped through some of their, their traumas, and 
you know, I've had a lot of clients who have been, you know, cutters, self-cutters, and they've been in abusive relationships, not only physically, but a lot of them, a good majority of them, were just in emotionally abusive relationships. And I always let the women know that I work with that that is just a red flag because sticks and stones can break your bones, but words can tear your heart apart. And sometimes emotional abuse can, can be worse than physical because it just, it just cuts you to pieces in terms of your self-esteem and your self-worth. So that's why one of the most important chapters in my book that I talk about is when we talk about self-talk and keeping your camera, which is your brain, always focused on something positive and using the proper words all the time. And anytime you think a negative thought or somebody says something negative to you, you counter it immediately with three positive thoughts or three positive words. Because, you know, your brain is like a fertile garden, and what you plant, it will grow. And as it's growing, if you continue to water it with negative thoughts, it'll, it'll take over, just like weeds will take over a garden. So that is such an important component of what I teach. And that's why in the Pillars of Health, basically what, I, what the Pillars of Health is is my 25 years of teaching. It's all the different techniques and strategies and components that I use. And one of the things I've always admired about your work is that you give everybody the very best that you've got. And I've seen that that some people who are, who are doing good in the world, but they have an idea that, well, we're going to talk about the really good food with the people who we know can afford it and, and won't have any problem getting it. And then other people will just say, well, you know, that's okay if you need to just do something else. But I think we empower people by entrusting them with the best information and then helping with the practical parts of, of acquiring that. Well, yes. sure. I work a lot with inner, you know, inner city and when working with kids in the inner city and their parents and you teach them, you know, about gardening, about sprouting, you know, about, about ways to eat more plant-based foods that aren't expensive. Because, you know, these are the kids. They're either going to be the future presidents or doctors or lawyers or they're going to be criminals. You know, they're going to, and, and here's the thing, when you take a child, and I, and I spoke in front of Congress, about 175 congressional people a while back in Washington, D.C., and I told them, I said, please don't blame these children when they go into schools and they start shooting. Please don't blame these kids when they start assaulting people because you've bred it into them. Your kids are watching violent pornography in sixth grade. They're playing violent video games that you actually beat up animals and shoot people and have sex with prostitutes, and these are games. This is not a movie. This is a game that a child is playing. And then you let them listen to violent music and, and watch violent videos. And then you give them a nutrient-deficient diet and you expect their brain to run normally? I don't think so. So once I start explaining that to, these, to the, the parents and to the children, they start getting it. And I always say, you can afford it right now because everyone can make sprouts. It's pennies per day to make a lot of sprouts. And also the other thing is that when you can start community gardens, one of the things I tell all my clients, I said, the most important lesson I can share with you is to get your children involved in knowing where their food comes from. Let them stick their fingers in the soil and plant some seeds. Let them take care of those seeds. Let them turn into, you know, to, to a garden and let them care for them. That's such an important healing part in letting children have a connection with food. That's so exciting. I wish you were feeding the whole Congress, but I'm glad you at least got to speak to them. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was very good. It was, it, was, it was very. I was very happy to do that too. Oh, well, I'm excited that they wanted to listen. That's that's a great good sign. Right. So, I want to ask you just about the four pillars. You've got the pillar of nutrition, the pillar of mind, the pillar of motion, and the pillar of compassion. So, we've touched on nutrition and mind, but just let's just go over all four. Get, give us give us your soundbite on the pillar of nutrition. Well, the, the secret is the most important thing, again, is you need to increase the volume and variety of plant matter in your diet. So you just, you have to be eating large volumes of plant matter. And if you can't handle large volumes, that's when you blend them and you make a green smoothie or you make a blended soup. So I talk about that in my book. You need to reduce or hopefully eliminate animal products, and that would be all animal products. But the most important one to eliminate would be the hormonal secretion that we call dairy because that's the most dangerous product that you could take in. And that's what my article is on. And as you see, there's like over 40,000 likes on that, because it's very controversial, because the dairy industry is so powerful. And they, they've been brainwashing children since they've been young, all the way up into retirement homes. So that's kind of the basis of that whole section. The basis of the motion section is that don't expect to go to a gym for an hour per day and counter 23 hours of sitting or lying down. It doesn't work that way. 
it's kind of like eating pizzas, hamburgers, and hot dogs and then having a piece of celery and think you, you had your vegetables for the day. You know, we're spending most of our time sitting in a chair all day, and then most people go to a gym, and they sit on a bicycle again, or they sit on a machine, and they're still in that same what we call common posture. They're not doing any hyperextension. They're not doing any squatting. They're not doing any rotation. When's the last time you lifted your hand over your head? So the whole idea with the motion section is that we don't need gyms per se. We need to live active lifestyles. We need to get out of our chair as often as possible. And we need to sit on the floor throughout the day, too. When you come home and you watch TV with your kids, get on the floor. You don't always need to be sitting in a chair. The mind component, there's so many components to the mind I cover, but one of them is the scariest disease that I've ever seen working with any clients, and my specialty being in geriatrics, is Alzheimer's. Once the mold or the cobwebs start growing in the brain, they don't just stop. They just keep getting worse and worse and worse. So you need to eat a diet that is very nutrient-rich because the brain is 60% fat. So it's being attacked all day long by free radicals. So unless you have the antioxidants, the police department, the fire department, paramedics inside your body to protect you, you're going to start getting, you know, brain degradation. So the blueberries, the flaxseed, the green leafy vegetables, staying away from NutraSweet and excitotoxins like MSG. You know, so I talk about all that in that section. And then the most important component of the book, bar none, is the compassion and love section. And that's what I teach and I have taught forever, and that's basically Ahimsa the path of compassion and reverence for all. Because we have a lot of poisons and toxins in the air and the water and the food, but we only eat three or four times a day. But you have hundreds of thousands of thoughts and messages going through your brain every day. And those messages are basically what form you because your behavior is shaped by what you see and what you hear. So if you're reading negativity, you're listening to negativity, and you're talking negativity, you're basically breeding negativity and disease in you. Because when you watch a scary movie and your heart races and your muscles tighten up, there's no boogeyman on the screen. So how did your heart start beating faster? How did your muscles tense? Because you're, you're basically causing an endocrine you know, release. You're releasing adrenaline and cortisol and other hormones by something that your brain perceived was a danger and a threat, but it was really just a celluloid screen you're looking at. And so that's why it's so important to be very cautious about what you say all day long and the words that you think. Wow, that's wise. The Pillars of Health. You guys have got to get this book. The Pillars of Health, John Pierre, Your Foundations for Lifelong Wellness, published by the good people at Hay House, good friends of our friends at uh, Unity. So on the, the mental part, JP, you're so good at brain exercises. What are some simple things that people can do to just keep those synapses firing and, and keep the brain working the way we want it to? Well, I think the old bad is if you don't use it, you lose it. So first of all, you need to use your brain. Stop using calculators. Stop letting all your phone, your, your smartphone do all the dialing for you and start remembering some phone numbers. If you're really good with math, you need to start doing some more word, word searches or things like that. I think every day you should be experimenting with some different activities you're not comfortable or familiar with, even if it's just driving to work a different way. That stimulates your brain. Use, use your pencil or your pen in your opposite hand. Turn on the remote control or open the door with your opposite hand. Because the worst thing that you can do is, is have this complacency where you're doing the same things over and over and you're, and, you're, and you're in a rut and you're never getting out of that box. So when I started brain building classes over 20 years ago in the geriatric community, I would have them do things that were very uncomfortable for them. So I, I would ask them, how many people can give me five phone numbers that you memorized? Most of them could only give me one or two. I would ask them to write their name as soon as they came into class with their opposite hand ten times. And you'd hear all the moaning and groaning because it's uncomfortable. And they wanted to do things that were comfortable. The other thing is when you watch TV, as soon as the commercial comes on, shut the volume off and write down everything that you remember that occurred in that scene you just watched. So it starts training your short-term memory. And then before you go to bed at night, close your eyes and just bullet point in your brain all your day from the minute you woke up. Just tell me one thing that happened at 7 o'clock, one thing that happened at 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, and go all the way through the day and just try to see how many things you can remember. Utilize things. I have a whole section in there on aromatherapy because aromatherapy is one of the best ways not only to be healthy, but it's also a great way to stimulate your brain. When I work with seniors, I'll let them smell some apple, apple pie spice. 
And suddenly now, these seniors who are 80 years old are telling me about when they were 10 years old, how their mom used to make an apple pie. And then you start engaging with them in conversation and say, well, tell me, what did she used to wear? Oh, she used to wear this red apron, and it had this yellow flower on it. And what days did she make the pie? Oh, every Sunday at about 12 o'clock noon. And suddenly now, just because I let them smell something, they've gone back 70 years in time, and then I've engaged them in activity, and I've stimulated their brain. That's a wonderful exercise to do if you have parents that are aging or grandparents. Use different scents and see what they remember. Oh, that's exciting. That works very well. Well, that is really interesting because we all know how a scent can do that, but to use it for an actual brain exercise, only you would think of that. Yeah. So do you think it's you're ever too old to get in shape? And how old was your oldest client? Well, the oldest client I've had in my class was about 100. The old, oldest physical client that I trained one-on-one was probably about 95. And no, you're... you're you're not ever too old to get in shape. It depends what your definition is in shape would be. Because when you're 90, somebody who's 90 that's in shape, obviously their idea of in shape is being able to get in and out of a chair and ambulate or walk properly to the kitchen without falling, you know, things like that. They don't necessarily have to be able to ride a bicycle. But just that you're moving all day long and you're stimulating the lymphatic system, you're stimulating their immune system, that helps prevent when they get a paper cut, they don't die of a staph infection or you know, some other type of infection. or So when they get, if they get a cold or a flu, they don't die of pneumonia. So you're never too old to, to make yourself feel better and look better and perform better. And the truth of the matter is, is that's the problem, is that we're always trying to get in shape when we just need to stay and live an active lifestyle and we'll be in shape. I love that. And what you said about sitting on the floor, when I was in India, I saw people at advanced ages sitting on the floor, getting up from the floor, sitting back down on the floor. I know people 40 who will not sit on the floor. And it's just, you just keep doing what you can do, and then the body complies. Oh, right. I mean, I'm just getting ready to go teach a seminar in Chicago, and they asked me, should we go rent chairs? And I said, absolutely not. So why would we rent chairs? I said, I want people sitting on the floor. I said, that's what I teach in my book. I said, this is, this is a habit. It's like dairy products. It's, you have to unlearn something that you've learned from a young age. Because when you're young, you're always sitting on the floor, you know? And then all of a sudden, you get into this, this fixed chair. And who decided the chair should be that tall? Why can't we just have a little tiny stool or just a mat? Because somebody creates it, and then we brainlessly just follow. That is true about so many things. John Pierre, you are such a wise man and you're also a lot of fun and I look forward to seeing you in Marshall, Texas in January. We're both going to okay. be there at the Get Healthy Texas. So y'all look that up. And John, thank you so much. The book is The Pillars of Health. Lisa, thank you so much for being part of the show today. And our wonderful engineer, Jeff Comfort, out there in KC, keeping me laughing. You see, JP, Jeff is a connoisseur of candy, and he sends me these notes whenever I have people on talking about healthy things. He sends me candy jokes to see if he can get me to crack up. Today, I did not. So I want to let you all know, if you're listening live, if you're in the New York City area, tonight is the annual benefit of the New York Coalition for Healthy School Food. You might want to check them out, healthyschoolfood.org, regardless of what state you're in. They have done so much here. There's actually a vegetarian school in Queens that they were instrumental in, so they're doing good work. And I will be at the 92nd Street Y on October 29th, so just uh, do a Google of 92Y Vegan because I'm the only one, and and, uh, come out and show support so that the 92nd Street Y will want to have more vegans come and talk. Thank you, John, for all you do in the world. Thank you, everybody listening, for all you do in the world and for reaching out and growing and doing more. God bless you all, and eat your veggies. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. 
This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. Reverend Paulette's mantra is, it's all a prayer. Tune in every Tuesday as Unity Minister Paulette Pipe leads you in meditation and prayer on touching the stillness. Make no mistake, this is not nap time. With an energy that will captivate you, touching the stillness will guide you in deep meditation, leaving you enlivened. Hear astounding meditations and learn more about different forms of meditation. Enrich your prayer life as Reverend Paulette, Senior Minister of Touching the Stillness Ministries, affirmatively prays with power and authority by taking live prayer requests from callers like you. Whether you have a prayer request for yourself or for a loved one or are ready for a deepened meditation experience, make sure you tune in on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Central Time, where we'll be joining in consciousness with the unceasing prayer activity of the Silent Unity 24-7 Prayer Ministry at Unity Village. That's Touching the Stillness with Rev. Paulette Pipe every Tuesday right here on Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Letting go in the stillness. Inspiration only takes a moment. We invite you to consider these words from Unity author Charles Roth. Live deeply in the present moment. If you are going to work on the premise that real energy, real excitement, that feeling of being fully and enthusiastically alive comes from a source within you, then it follows that you have to spend some time getting acquainted, being at home in those far reaches of inner space. Peace is power, for out of stillness, strength is born, and out of inner harmony, productivity flourishes. Rest in that inner peace. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. At the base of all life is the infinite wellspring of Source, and each of us has a unique way of expressing that Source as an individualized soul. Do you enjoy the company of inspiring people who are living on purpose? Do you want to live joyfully attuned to your own unique soul expression? Host Rev. Kristen Powell welcomes you to join the gathering of souls who live this way. You'll meet artists, naturalists, and other soulful expressions that will inspire you to call forth the most alive, passionate version of yourself. Get into the natural stream of your own soul by tuning into Soul Stream live every Wednesday at noon Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. of spiritually conscious living start now for a time-tested method to live with purpose and release your infinite potential tune in to the yoga hour living the eternal way with yogacharya ellen grace o'brien every thursday morning at 10 a.m central 8 a.m pacific only on unity online radio the voice of an awakening world Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, they don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth 
and what follows when we do die. I speak with authors, friends, transition specialists, and other experts about every facet of death, dying, grief, hospice care, cultural traditions, and also our beliefs about that final journey and what we may end up facing. Please join me on the next room on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.